And welcome to the Jet Fuel Podcast. A midweek, but somehow it, we're still doing a preview. That's what happens when the Jets are on Thursday night. I am Max Marcilla, and joined today, a very special guest as always, your own Jet Fuel's Adam Zalanka, a dynamic duo. We are out here in College Park, so sorry to Matt Barbado, the other guy on our three-headed, what do we call it, our, our co-pilot, three-headed we were monster. We co-pilots. That other guy, he's the founder of the website, never forget. Yeah, but, I mean, he's not here in College Park to talk some Thursday night color rush football. Let's not forget, it's the color rush. Yeah, I Co- mean, that's, that's the only reason I'm watching. I mean, the color rush <laughs> is, is definitely going to be one of the best parts of this game. But <laughs> The <laughs> history I, of the Jets and Bills on Thursday night, it's, it's becoming one of the longest histories. A, a la Titans-Jaguars, you know, those yeah. tit- titanic matchups, those yeah, matchups everyone tunes Nothing like the green and red color rush. But yeah. without getting too ahead of ourselves, we are going to talk about the Jets and Bills Thursday night game. On this Wednesday night, and we, you will probably be listening to this Thursday morning on game day morning, but you are, of course, listening to the Jet Fuel podcast. I introduced myself briefly, but I'm Max Marcilla and joined by Adam Zalanka. And Adam, let's talk about some Jets football. So Jets coming into this game three and five and coming off another disappointing loss. New York barely lost to Atlanta 25-20. It's been a couple of really close losses to good teams, and the Jets cannot seem to win the fourth quarter and close out a game. They will get a chance at home. You know, these Thursday night games, they're always a bit up in the air. You always see, um, you know, sometimes these teams that maybe aren't as good, well, they give the other team a fight because it's Thursday night, and it's weird, and especially given the fact that the Jets are at home, and they didn't have to travel this past week. So, There are a lot of variables in this game, but one of the biggest ones is LaShawn McCoy. I mean, here's a guy who is one of the best running backs in the league and has consistently given the Jets trouble. So here is what Jets head coach Todd Bowles had to say on LaShawn McCoy this past week. It's never easier. I mean, he's going to be a tough draw whether he's playing one time or two times. He's a tough back. He's one of the best backs in the league. Uh, He's shifty. He's strong. He's powerful. He's got great vision. He's got great hands. Takes a lot of discipline, and you got to be very good as far as tackling. So McCoy coming in after a stellar week eight, 151 rushing yards and a touchdown, and he performed just as well against the Jets in week one. 110 rushing yards, 49 receiving yards. That's over 150 scrimmage yards. He has 100-plus rushing yards in three of the last five against the Jets. So, Adam, what do the Jets have to do to slow down LaShawn McCoy? Without being too simple about it, Max, you got to stop him early and often. It's very dangerous to let LaShawn McCoy, as you said, one of the best in the league, uh, get hot quick. And it's not that McCoy's having a world-beating kind of season against all opponents. And it's not that the Jets' uh, rushing defense is incredibly incapable. At the beginning of the season, they looked terrible against their first few opponents, not just Buffalo, but Oakland the following week. They were dead last in the league after those two weeks, I remember. Uh, McCoy, again, you said he had 110 yards in that first meeting just rushing. That's on 22 carries. That's a five yards a gain, and uh, five yards a carry average. That's ridiculous. Ridiculous. It opened, not it, it opened the offense not just for him, but for the rest of the offense. Not just Ty, Tyrod Taylor passing, but Mike Tolbert had 42 yards on 12 carries. So he had more than half the amount of carries McCoy had. That's that kind of ratio shows that when when McCoy gets going, then you get the change of pace guy like Tolbert in there. He can still do a little damage, and Taylor himself has the ability to get the, uh, you know, some uh, some yards on the ground with his legs. As a team, Buffalo totaled 190 rushing yards in that game. 
four and a half a carry. It's it's a recipe for disaster for the Jets, uh, but they're not playing like September Jets anymore. They're holding their own against running backs like Jay Ajayi, like uh, Devontae Freeman was not even Atlanta's leading rusher last week. I semi-predicted last week in the in the game preview that Tevin Coleman would be somebody to watch because the Jets have been okay holding their own against the bruisers like Freeman and Ajayi and not as much against slippery guys like McCoy and, and Tevin Coleman. Uh, to Does that answer your question? I, I think it's, it's, just go do it, Darren Lee, just go do it. Uh, I mean, pick who, any who, one of them, pick, Demario pick, pick Davis, the nose, yeah. Muhammad Wilkerson, Leonard Williams. I mean, you're right. These Jets, you know, we talked the the October Jets, and I guess it's the, the first game of the November Jets now, but, yeah. you know, we talked about the October Jets and, they looked a lot better, especially in run defense. That was one of the most surprising weaknesses of this team early in the season. You know, I mentioned a couple of the guys, Wilkerson and Williams and, and Demario Davis, and not so much the first two, but especially Davis has stepped up over the second month of the season and, yeah. and has helped this Jets defense be good against the run. But again, as you mentioned, these, as you called them, the slippery backs, the ones that can get out of the backfield, maybe catch a couple passes, those are the ones that are really dangerous against the Jets. And you know, for for a perfect recipe for how to stop LaShawn McCoy, I really don't think there is one. And this isn't for the Jets. This is league-wide. I mean, this yeah. is one of the best weapons in football. And he's been doing it for a long time. He still has the physical skills, but he also is in a great system. You mentioned Tyrod Taylor. Well, he can run too. So, of course, you're going to have to have someone kind of spy, like QB spy on Taylor and make sure he isn't able to get around to the outside. But then how do you make sure you have a guy on McCoy? So there's no easy answer. But it is probably the most important matchup for the Jets defense is to limit McCoy. Now, another thing that the Jets defense really has to try to do is force turnovers because Buffalo comes into Thursday leading the league in turnover margin. Buffalo has 17 takeaways and three turnovers, three turnovers through seven games. I mean, that is how you play football. That is what every coach wants to see. Every coach, you know, they stress no penalties and no turnovers. And, well, Buffalo's done that second part pretty well. Turnover margin is one of the most underrated statistics. And and I don't know how many people can be able to name off the top of their head right now, A, that the Bills lead the league in that margin, that category, and B, that they are 5-2. and And those things sort of correlate, Max. Uh Three turnovers on offense. You've played seven games. Tyrod Taylor does not get enough credit for taking care of the ball and limiting interceptions and mistakes in general. Um, McCoy doesn't fumble normally. It's rare to see him fumble the ball. And that's why you pair that with a defense that, without Rex Ryan in the room, seems to have found itself and has gotten (laughs) gotten after every opposing offense it's faced. 17 takeaways. It's like what you normally see out of the Patriots with Tom Brady throwing very few interceptions coupled with a defense that's usually top 12 in the league this year it's it's not the case and thus they're not one of the, they're not the top team in turnover margin it's their division rivals buffalo five and two we haven't talked enough about that they're only a half a game behind new england right that's now. crazy i mean they've been one of the best teams in the nfl and you know you looked at week one when uh the jets or excuse me buffalo was able to, to take that win uh a 21-12 to 12 win for Buffalo, and, and you kind of sat back and were like, all right, it was a good win for the Bills. Like, it was a win they needed to get, you know, at home against the Jets. And at that point, we were like, oh, 15 more losses for the Jets coming. But, you know, it, it was a win they needed to get, but not necessarily one that 
you saw this start coming. You know, I, I, I kind of remember after week one looking ahead on the Jets' schedule and saying, oh, here's a winnable game Thursday night against Buffalo, and I still think it is winnable, but not because the Bills are bad, but more so the Jets have been playing well. So it, it's it's weird. I did not expect the Bills to be this good, and you're right, turnover margin, that is, that's just the one of the biggest stats in the league. I mean, this is a defense that not only forces turnovers, but an offense that doesn't turn the ball over. Tyrod Taylor, two interceptions through seven games. I mean, we've seen Jets quarterbacks do that in a quarter. So I, I think I think that's the key for the Jets is how do you force Buffalo to turn the ball over? And, and I'm going to ask you that. Another, oh, another question with no answer. easy answer, but who no. will you look for on the Jets to kind of force that takeaway and, and, and make a big play? If, I, if you want me to say who I'm going to look for, that's an easier answer. Jamal Adams is the only answer to that question. Last See, I don't week, think that's true, but I want to hear your reasoning. Okay. Oh, because look at the defense, Max. It, and just last week, he had a takeaway. He had a fumble recovery, right? If I yes. remember correctly, that's after uh, forcing an interception by batting up a ball in the, in the air against the Dolphins that Muhammad Wilkerson came down with. But if the, the Jets struggle, and they've struggled for a few years in a row now, two forced turnovers on defense. It's a question that is not new to you and me. It's no. a question that's been asked by the fans, by the media, for a little while on a defense that even even in their good years, uh, sacks are, you know, sacks might even be up. In, in those years, Muhammad Wilkerson was getting a bunch of sacks. Turnovers were not necessarily being created. If you can't do that against the average team in the league, against your average opponent, like the median kind of a, a, a offense opponent, how are you going to do that against a Buffalo team that takes care of the ball so well? So I think the main difference is Jamal Adams is facing this team, and it's not his first career game the way it was week one. He had a good game in that game. Mm -hmm. um, but and he's been good for the yeah. most part throughout this year. You know, people want to say and chalk up several touchdowns that he's given up, and, and yeah, he's given up a couple of touchdowns. Yeah. But, uh, you know, if you look at his full body of work, he's been a very impressive safety. Overall, and my, my final point for Adams and why I'm picking him is that he, it, it's the, the overall body of work is exactly why. He, if you want a turnover, there are two types. There's interceptions and fumbles are the two types we're talking about. He can get in there and do both. He can still pick the guy off downfield if somebody dares throw down the middle of the field where he might be lurking. Or we've seen him blitz plenty this year. Mm -hmm. he, could, he can come on a blitz maybe on Tyrod Taylor's blind side and hit him at just the right time. No quarterback's immune to that. I mean, he plays every position on defense yeah, we've seen him play slot corner we've seen him play outside linebacker we've seen him play free safety strong safety and everything in between that's what makes this guy special but so i am, who are, who I am are you going to of? disagree i i think adams is the most likely and i think that's a good answer but you said that he's the only one and let's not forget about that other guy the other the marcus other rookie may. marcus may okay who, i like it by the way leads the jets in interceptions with a pair Two. So, and actually, he's tied with Terrence Brooks, who won't be playing this game. So, oh, I do want to bring that up uh, quickly. But, but yeah, I'm going to say. Brooks had two interceptions in one game. Yep. Like, that's how he got to it, too. It was one game. And I'm going I'm to say look for May and Adams. And that's an easy answer. But don't forget about May. But, but let's talk about that Jets secondary. Terrence Brooks, he's doubtful. So, it doesn't appear that he will play. So, now this is a Jets secondary that had a good game and has had moments, but we've seen some struggles. We've seen the buster screen troubles, and he will play for the Jets. And we've seen Morris Claiborne look really good, and then Julio Jones switched over to whoever was on the other side, and Julio was successful. Yeah. 
And now the Jets will face a new weapon. So the Bills traded for Kelvin Benjamin at the trade deadline, the former Carolina Panthers receiver. And now Tyrod Taylor has a new weapon to, to work with. So how do you see that new look Bills offense, or at least that new look passing offense, matching up against the Jets secondary? Uh, it doesn't match up super well. The Bill First, before I, we go any further, uh, we should say that at the time of this recording, there's I, I was scrolling Google News. There's no indication that Benjamin's definitely going to play in this game or not because a trade that happens on a Monday – am I am I right on that? No, sorry. Tuesday. It was on Tuesday, on the tra- trade deadline day. A trade that happens on a Tuesday, you got to ship this guy up to, to Buffalo, get settled, and then put him on the team plane right away to, to New Jersey to play the, at MetLife. I don't know if that's what's in their plans. I don't know if they're just trying to get him ready maybe for November 12th in the Week 10 matchup they have with the Saints. Whichever way you want to look at it, if he plays or if he doesn't, it's good for Benjamin that the team has 10 days off before his second, what could be a second game. Yeah. Like that'll help Gives him learn him the time offense. To, exactly. But learn the offense, get accustomed to Tyrod Taylor throwing to him instead of Cam Newton. Maybe uh, every, every pass toward Kelvin Benjamin won't sail over his 6'5 oh, frame. Uh, <laughs> that's my shot at Cam Newton if, if my fr- my Panthers friend is listening. But anyway, uh, if if Benjamin doesn't play, it's safe to assume he's on Buffalo for a little longer than just this season. They're clearly trading for Benjamin because they're buyers at the trade deadline. we got to take talk about this in baseball terms all of a sudden. They're buyers at the trade deadline because they know they can make a good playoff push at where they stand right now. As for how the Jets stack up, the Jets' depth does not impress me enough to say that they'll be able to handle him and Jordan Matthews. Uh, and and LaShawn McCoy, I, I meant to throw this in there when you mentioned him in the McCoy segment. Uh, he ha- he led the Bills in receptions week one. He had five. Nobody had more than him. And he had second most targets week one. Has that changed? I have not studied every single box score from the Bills a season this year. But he's an obvious option out of the backfield. So there's so many weapons. Tyra Taylor on the run. Tyra Taylor, very accurate passer. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't get enough credit for that. And Cam Newton does not get enough uh, blame for <laughs> putting too much on each pass. What, is, what is the blame game for Cam Newton? Uh, is that is that an underlying theme of the podcast? It's not, it wasn't supposed to be going in. It's <laughs> not on our budget, but <laughs> not in our plan. But uh, I'm just saying Benjamin might be uh, – he might be used more to his full potential in the Bills' offense – uh, and especially opposite a uh, steady-ish guy like Jordan Matthews, who's not going to surpri- you know, surprise you with a bunch of I, – I, I really like Jordan Matthews in his rookie mm-hmm. year, and I was so jealous when the Bills got him, man. That's that's my thing about Matthews. I know he's underwhelmed since then, and that's the reason that the Bills – I'm sorry, the Eagles uh, were happy to let him go in the Ronald Darby trade. Um, all of that said, yeah, I, it's the, the Jets' cornerback depth is why I'm talking about all of this. There's now officially, in my opinion, you know, when they were talking about bringing Anquan Bolden in, as old as that man was, uh, and he was going to be all set to play for Buffalo, I was thinking the same thing back then. How are the Jets going to match up against several weapons? Bolden doesn't have to be that deep threat kind of guy, but you see Justin Burris had an interception in that week one game against Buffalo. Burris has hardly seen the field on defense since then. He's, he's been, been a limited. lot of Daryl Roberts, a lot of Buster Roberts. Screen. Uh, I mean, on a team that couldn't use Marcus Williams and sits Justin right. Bryce. I don't know how, how much depth at cornerback they think they have. Now, to be fair, we have talked about the Bills trade so far, and not even the Jets' own trade on this podcast. They re- they acquired San Francisco cornerback uh, Rashard Robinson, I should say former San Francisco cornerback, a teammate of Jamal Adams at LSU, which is my favorite part DBU. of the story. DBU. Yeah, they're transforming that. 
Uh, yeah, Linebacker it, you, but south and for safety. Yes, there you go. Backs. It's a uh, it, it's an interesting trade. I, I like what the Jets are doing in the secondary, going young. You know, looking at cornerbacks. And Robinson's twenty two. He's only in his second season. I mean, it's, so cool it's essentially like another draft pick they got, and, and it 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 was because they shipped away a late round pick. But you know, I I like what the Jets are doing in the secondary. I really like it. Getting these playmakers. And I don't know if Robinson will play this week or, or how much he'll play and. Actually, when Todd Bowles was asked, it led to a funny sequence. He actually didn't know about the trade. It's so funny that the trade had not been even announced necessarily uh, when the reporters first asked him, uh, asked Coach Bowles uh, if the Jets might be active at the trade deadline. He said, I don't think so, and we don't yeah. really have any plans. And then upstairs, <laughs> yeah. Mike McAgnon's getting off the phone. Oh, we got him. We got <laughs> Rashard Robinson. Everyone was waiting Poor for this Todd trade. Todd put on the spot. Poor Todd. Yeah, I, I do feel bad for Todd in that, that case. That was just not, not fair for him. But the Jets, so I don't know if he'll play either, but – uh, I, I like what the Jets are doing big picture in the secondary. But, you know, we're, we're going to take a small picture. Look, let's look at one game as we uh, delve ahead. We're going to take a quick break. Actually, you know what? Let's stick with the big picture. When we get back on the Jet Fuel podcast, we're going to talk about the 2017 season. Let's see if the Jets have surpassed our expect, our very low, I should say, expectations. It's a good idea, Max. It's a ha- the midway point of the season right now, right in the middle between weeks eight and nine. It's like Eight and a half out of 17. It's a perfect time to take a break on the Jet Fuel podcast and a perfect time to talk mid-season Jets. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Jet Fuel podcast. Well, as Adam said, it is mid-season. We are in between weeks eight and nine, and somehow the Jets have played early in week nine, so we'll have a little less time to do some mid-week talk, or mid-season talk, I should say, but let's do it anyway. Jets coming in three and five, the halfway point of their season. Adam, this is a team that many, including myself, predicted to win three, four games on the entire season, and they've pretty much matched that total through the first half. So I'm going to, not a crazy answer, I'm going to say absolutely. The Jets have surpassed my expectations. How would you stack up the Jets' performance to your preseason expectations? I'd say that they are doing a little better than my expectations too. You you mentioned three or four wins was sort of our our expect <coughs> excuse me our expectations. They were the most optimistic expectations of any rational person following the Jets. I think five wins was the highest. Five I was saw. the fi- highest. A lot of people thought it was a one in fifteen or dare I say a winless squad with how uh, talentless it looked at times uh, in preseason and training camp. And, you know, the kind of mess it sort of looks like there are several teams who just look bad on a week to week basis and the Jets are not one of them. So in terms of just putting record aside, you can say the Browns, the 49ers, the Colts and the Giants by the eye test. I would dare throw in the Buccaneers in this talk, too. Now, I am talking about a lot of teams who, yeah, their records are are worse than the Jets as it stands uh, as we record this today. Uh, But putting that aside, very frequently, these teams look bad they don't compete the Jets in their losses are losing by five they're losing by nine what was the Patriots deficit it was 10 I mean the Jets were up the Jets were up 14 nothing in the first quarter the majority of the game yeah it they're they're losing they're losing the handle on it in the fourth quarter which is never good it's not that's not a team that's built to win in the playoffs but the Jets shouldn't be thinking playoffs at three and five I think it's a perfect mesh of what the tank fans wanted and what the jets for life we got to compete we got pride still they guys those guys wanted compete with the at nfc champion atlanta falcons compete with the arch rival super bowl champion new england patriots 
show up and and fight. These guys fight for Todd Bowles. And I don't I, I don't I shouldn't say that that way because I I don't know what I won't ascribe motives to all of the players on this team. Bulls, but they do has fight. A team. They have and a they've fighting given team. I mean, and you got to give credit to the head coach out. at some of that point. Yeah. So this, yes, and, and the short answer is they have absolutely surpassed my expectations because, in addition to winning some games that were winnable, they fought in some games that nobody thought were winnable and led against both the Patriots and Falcons. I don't think anybody predicted that, Max. So here's why I'm going to say they surpassed my expectations. You go back, you look at the first two weeks. We mentioned that loss to the Bills and then a 25-point loss to the Raiders. The worst of the year. And you sit back and you say after those two losses, this is exactly what I thought was going to happen. Bad losses to, I mean, we thought the Raiders were going to be a great team. I don't think they've lived up to that. You know, They were 2-0 and after the second week. They looked like it. They looked but, the part. But, you know, you, you kind of figured that's what the season was going to look like. And then they rattle off three straight wins. They, they beat the Dolphins by two possessions, and the Dolphins look – I mean, they looked horrible, and they still don't look great. Not just two possessions. It was going to be a shutout until they scored in the yeah, last play of the game. that's right. It was 20 to nothing. Yeah. So that was a 26 margin. And then the Jets won 23 to 20 against the Jaguars, and then they won 17 to 14 on the road against the Browns. And if you had asked me then, have the Jets surpassed expectations? Yeah, I guess I would say they'd surpassed it. Maybe they just lived up to it. Those weren't great wins. They weren't against great teams. They were what the Jets probably should have done. Those teams weren't good. The reason I'm saying they definitely have surpassed expectations, Adam, the last three weeks, to go and to lead the Patriots, to go and to lead the Dolphins, to go and to lead the Falcons. I know the games didn't end well, but the fact that you have not just one or two positives, but there are some real good positives and and building blocks in the losses – that has given me enough, like I've seen enough from the Jets to say that this season is a success. Hmm. And it has to carry over through the next eight weeks, well, whether they win, the, well, whether they the win one or two more games or go winless. If they show what they've shown in the last three weeks, yeah, it'll be a successful season. But, yeah, I think, I think, I think they've done enough to say they've surpassed expectations. And, yeah. and so far, again, if what happened in the first half of the year happens in the second half, undoubtedly a successful season yeah even if even if the jets go oh and eight for the rest of the second half of the season and finish three and 13 but they are competitive in a lot of these games uh that's not on bowls i think especially in those last three games you're describing uh the jets lost a handle on it in the last part of the game but mainly because of being outmatched talent wise Mm -hmm. it's fair to admit and and the jets are outplaying uh, what it looks like on paper. They're covering the spread, if you want to use Vegas terms. And I don't know if, I don't know how exactly true that is for every individual game, but very frequently it, they're, they're keeping it close. They covered against New England. I know that Yeah, much. I mean, they lost by seven in New England, three to Miami, and five to Atlanta. I would assume. I don't remember the spreads, but, I mean, if you're a betting man, bet on the Jets, <laughs> if not to win, at least to cover the at spread. At least to cover. This is why I was saying before, this is a good amalgam of both ends of Jets fan spectrum of – we got to tank and draft a quarterback next year. We got to get the first overall pick. It's so important. Versus, oh, we got to play and have our pride. Well, if the Jets lose by five and they lose by three and they lose by seven and they're in every one of these next several games, they're going to be a very good three and 13 team. And they could very easily have a top five pick, but not look like one of the dregs of the league, the way the Giants, Colts, Browns, and Niners look. Well, let's talk about that. So you said if the Jets go 0 and 8 for the rest of the year. Well, 
the second half of the year starts in just about 24 hours and yes. it maybe even sooner from when you're listening to this. So Jets Bills Thursday night color rush. Give me your jet that you're going to watch for. The jet I'm going to watch for, my jet to watch based on him telling me we got to watch him as of last week is Robbie Anderson, who had a career game a week ago against the Falcons with 104 yards and six catches, a 24-yard touchdown that was made possible by a nice double move at the beginning of the route, uh, long of a 34-yard catch with Jeremy Curley, who we haven't even mentioned yet today. So much Jets news randomly this week, yeah. this short week. Jeremy yeah, Curley is suspended, but apparently. He, he plans to play. He plans to play. They're so, getting him dressed. So it, it would appear that he Curly will play. Okay. We we don't know. And, and might you might know news that we, we currently don't know. When it, you listen it, to this Thursday at 2 p.m., maybe. Like it, it's just a bizarre situation. But but you, nobody men- knows you mentioned why. Robbie Anderson. He, he told you to watch out for him. and, and he, he said so say, by his performance. He said so. It's b- how you act. <laughs> but he said so by his performance, but also he literally did say so. He said he had a chip on his shoulder. Let's hear what he had to say. You know, I keep that chip on my shoulder because I know there's a lot of people that doubt me. And, you know, it's a lot of people that's been doubting me and going to always doubt me. And on top of that, you know, I got something to prove to my teammates. I want them to know that they're going to get my all and my best day in and day out, you know. I mean, here's a guy who has something to prove. And, yeah, I mean, he proved it last week. And, you know, I was not saying he's a bad football player, but I was kind of hinting at the fact that he might be a one-trick pony. And, well, he's proven me wrong so far this year. I don't know if he's number one wide receiver, but he certainly complimented Curse nicely. Yeah, he's a Jet to watch if the Jets' offense is going to have success, and he's going against Tredavious White, the Bills rookie, who leads the league in pass breakups. So He's having a good year. That'll be a fun matchup to watch if they get on each other. I don't don't know how much White will shadow Curse. I don't think Curse is good enough to – call for a shadowing but it'll be a fun matchup to watch i'm sure we'll see it i've uh, told my friend uh, just earlier today the jets are many things this year but one thing they're not is inept in the passing game josh mccown has had they're not the a passing offense there we what do you expect as a jets fan that things are going to go bad with the quarterback but mccown has held this unit this year together on a small scale you know small sample size situation you can expect Anderson to get a good share of targets. A lot of that might be play calling by John Morton. We know uh, he's throwing more than he's running. Uh, but that's why you, you got you to gotta have an eye on Anderson on Thursday night. My plea to Jets fans is don't let this get to your head. Josh McCown is not that good. He's not a savior. Don't sign him he's to a 10-year it deal. It's, 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 it's happening. They're this, not inept. This year, they are not inept. That doesn't that mean is a give them a trophy for that. There you go. Right. Uh, my jet to watch on the other side of the ball, it's going to be Muhammad Wilkerson. I thought he had his best game. He did not play well for the first seven weeks of the season. He didn't have a sack, and even more so than that, he just wasn't making that big of an impact. But he finally broke through, got a sack. He got an interception. We talked about that earlier. And he got, got some pressure in the backfield, made a good stop on a run play. Muhammad Wilkerson played his best game. Didn't practice again at times this week. That that injury has been ailing him throughout nagging. the year. It is a nagging injury, but he is questionable. He's been questionable for the last several weeks, so I would guess he plays. And I don't know if I don't know how well he'll play, but I think he's a guy you have to look out for, especially when you consider the fact that Tyrod Taylor can be so elusive and and well, how do you get him? You have to get pressure, and you have to get pressure quickly. Of course, contain yeah. the outsides, but you want to see your interior defenders get to him. So I'm going to be watching for Wilkerson. So now, before we wrap up, 
We both think the Bills are going to beat the Jets. We talked about this during our break. Yeah. A- you want to give scores? Our scores are a little yeah, different. Yeah, I'll, I'll give the you score. Go I'm going to I'm going to say 24 to 20 Bills. That's a very good one. Um I'm just going to go slightly uh, more high scoring because I, I don't think the defense uh is going to hold up, but uh then McCown in the second half is probably going to lead the charge kind of back. It's it's a little backwards of what we've seen the last couple of weeks where the Jets have looked really good early. They've gotten out to good starts. But uh, I think it'll be a little more back and forth, and, and, and McCown will have to keep them in the game throwing and scoring touchdowns that way. But I'll go to uh, answer the question 20, 28 to 24. So I'll keep it at a four-point margin. 20-24. So we both have it a close game, but close we also game. both have the Bills winning. Yep. Now, we have seen a mixed bag of football on Thursday night. Gone are the days when Thursday night football is all terrible. Now it's just about half terrible. So It's I improvement. Mean, we've, we've had some like instant classics this year. The, the Rams 49ers, believe it or not, was one of the better games of the season. Just because of how inter- entertaining the, oh, the scoring great. was. 41-39, Rams won. It was a fun Eagles, game. Eagles-Panthers was a yep. matchup of two good teams. And then, of course, a couple weeks ago, Raiders-Chiefs, uh, yes. a, a buzzer-beater win, and and the Raiders coming out on top in the black hole, and you had that whole Marshawn Lynch storyline going on in that game. I mean, there have been Anytime some Anytime really the Raiders win, it's Marshawn Lynch is having a there, blast. There have been some really fun so, games on Thursday night. And you know what else happened? The well, Ra- tell me. The Ravens beat the Dolphins 40-0, to zero, and and the Dolphins sort of just beat Joe Flacco up, and Adamakin Sue was, like, choking somebody, all that good stuff. Last week, you made that game sound way more entertaining than it was. That game was borderline unwatchable. Oh yeah, oh and yeah, for a many 40 reasons. Point margin, and then you've also had games like the Patriots Bucks, which the Patriots it wasn't a terrible game, but the Bucks and and Nick Folk missed what four three field goals. Felt bad for Nick. Uh, yeah, that was he just a rough job game. After that one. And then you've had you know other games, the Texans Bengals, the start of Deshaun Watson, which you know, has turned into a good thing. But that game back in week two was 13-9, another snooze fest before the Bengals fired their offensive coordinator. So we've seen a real mixed bag of Thursday night games. Before we wrap up this podcast, will this game be worth watching? Will it be a fun Thursday night color rush game? Go color rush. Yeah. You know what? Jets-Bills has become a color rush establishment. It is it is the establishment in my opinion. I was just saying earlier, it's like you know you gotta you gotta get your Titans Jaguars, you gotta get your Rams Niners. There's some good color rush games. Jets Bills is where it all started when you had the green versus the red jersey, uh, not just jerseys but entire uniforms that made colorblind people get headaches and write complaints. That that's that's just what color rush is all about, man. Uh, to, <laughs> to 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 as far as the product on the field, divisional games are good options for color rush because they're always a little less predictable because you, you, you know they're studying up on each other. They both know so much about the other team. And on the short week, that always makes the, the product a little more questionable. And maybe the player's health is, is not taken into question. Um, but this is not going to be your 13-9 Texans-Bengals snooze fest. It's not going to be a kicker missing four field goals. This is going to be a little back and forth. It's going to keep people engaged. On a Thursday night, the first night after baseball is done for the season, people have to choose between this and Navy. I'm going to be keeping a, uh, some tabs on the Navy score, Navy Temple. Don't watch stuff besides the Jets, though, if you want. I would do Food Jets. Network. Food Network. Yeah. So do you think that this is not going to be an exciting game? Because I'm trying to no, make the case subtly building up. No, I do. It's just Food Network is always up. exciting. You know, chopped, you get down to the buzzer, you got to get the garnishes on the plate. I mean, that is that is thrilling television. No, um, 
it, no, this will be a fun game. I mean, I mean, Color Rush is fun. If you're asking me if it's worth watching, I would probably say no because the Jets <laughs> uniforms are bad. I don't like the color green, so all green is not good. This but, just no, a it, Max Marcello, lifelong Jets follower. I won't, I won't say fan not, for journalistic ethics, I'm but not, like I'm not a fan. Can't can't do the green. I don't like the color green. But it's it's a slightly different shade of green on Color Rush the night Kelly because they green make it is better than the forest green. Okay, Kelly's better than Forrest. There's a hot take alert. Okay, that, that, that's a lukewarm. Don't at, don't at him. Don't yeah, at don't, Max. Don't at me. Actually, you know what? Do at me. You know what? <laughs> Max wants I'm to have this tell conversation. You exactly where to at me. If you want to talk about the Jets jerseys or this Jets game, or you just want to talk about some football, well, you can of course find me at marcella 98 and my boy Adam at Adam <laughs> underscore Zalanka. But if you really want to tweet at us and, and stir some stuff, tweet at New York Jet Fuel. And comment on the website. We'll have content going up throughout the week, nyjetfuel.com. We'll have a ton of stuff on this Thursday night color rush game on the trade deadline. We had we had some stuff on that. We had some stuff about, you know, just, just some stuff on the Jets as a whole. Of course, Jet Fuel, we're taking flight on all things Jets. So we have you covered. So check out the website and at us if you want to with with your uniform hot takes. And we will talk to you next time on the Jet Fuel podcast after color rush thursday night football thank you once again for listening to the jet fuel podcast